Well, it is a drafting theme today because while Luke Travers has had scouts watching him and is dreaming about hitting the big time, our next guest just had her dream come true. She is the 27th pick in the WNBA draft. She is heading to the Los Angeles Sparks. She is Perth's own Amy Atwell and all the way from her home in Hawaii. Amy, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Now, let's see how my translations go here. Ho omakai, which means congratulations. Uh, what a day. How's, how's it been? It's been a pretty crazy day, a, a bit surreal, and kind of this is the first time I've kind of sat down in my apartment and just been able to take it all in because I had a crazy couple of hours afterwards getting ready for in-person class, actually, for the last couple of hours that I've been sitting in. But um, it's been definitely an emotional roller coaster this afternoon and tonight. And Still kind of hasn't really sunk in, but definitely it's a real feeling. So this might be my favourite part of your entire day. You've just become a WNBA player, and instead of focusing on that and going out and celebrating, you've gone back to uni because we're doing this interview at 9.35pm Hawaiian time. Yeah, so I'm actually in grad school right now, and I have classes from 6 to 9pm Monday through Thursdays, and tonight was in person. I actually had a presentation, so I couldn't really skip it any either. I couldn't uh, dip out on my on my classmates and my because it was a group presentation. So, yeah, I had to, about two hours after getting selected in the draft, I had to take take my uh, take myself off to class. How did you perform? Were you nervous in that? Or, or had you got rid of all your nerves throughout the entire day and just focused on what you had to do for the, for the presentation? Oh, yeah, that was probably the easiest part of my day. Um, that was better, much better than sitting around waiting to see if I was going to get picked or not and when when and if. Um, so that was but that was the cruisiest part of my day. So, so take me through the whole day. You, you wake up and there's nerves. What, what time of the day was it Hawaiian time where, where the draft began? And what did you have to do just in the build-up to keep yourself sane? Yeah, so the draft started at 1 p.m. over here. Um, so I had kind of all morning. I woke up this morning and had a meeting with my professor. And after that, it was like maybe 9.30. And I was like, I can't just sit around here all day. So I actually went to the school and worked out. I got a quick lift in and some shots up. Um and then came home, showered, and then went over to my friend's parents' place to watch it. Um, so I kind of tried to keep myself as busy as possible just so I didn't have to really think about it and tried not to get my hopes up too much because, you know, I could have got taken, also could very well um, could not have gotten taken. So um, just trying to keep my mind off it, yeah. So one of the key things I reckon for every draft is the mock drafts they have and where, where people might go and all the, all the predictions. I didn't see your name mentioned too often, um, in fact, in some of them at all. What expectations did you have based on, on what you'd seen around the traps? Yeah, so I had uh, seen a few of the mock drafts as well and my name was nowhere near any of them, um, which was to be expected. Hawaii's a little mid-major school, so we don't get too much attention, but um, the last couple of weeks, I kind of got a better feel for it after signing with my agent. He kind of got in, in contact with a few head coaches and uh, general managers at WNBA clubs. And I heard I actually got a couple of clubs contact me straight after season ended um, with interest. So I kind of knew the interest was there. I just didn't know how much and if it was enough to get drafted or maybe sign a training camp. Um, so over the last week, I kind of had a good idea that I could get picked up, but I didn't really know until my name was came across the screen today. And how much interest out of those clubs was LA amongst them and what sort of interest had they shown in you? Yeah, so LA was definitely, they kind of popped up about a week and a half ago. Um, and I know they were kind of interested with their second, late third round picks. Um, obviously had spoken to a few other clubs as well, but I knew they were interested and it was a possibility, so... 
And we see all the time with these sorts of drafts, sometimes you get a phone call from the, the general manager or the coach saying we're about to read your name out. Sometimes you get your manager ringing saying it's about to happen. Did you get the surprise moment on the screen or were you given the phone call which tipped you off to, and you got to celebrate a couple of minutes in advance? Well, I actually got a phone call from my agent about five minutes before and was like, are you watching the draft? And I was like, yeah, I'm sitting here watching it. He was like, okay, I'm not going to give you too much. I'm not going to give too much away. Just make sure you're watching the third round. So that's like kind of where my stomach drops a little bit. I was like, oh, wow, this is really about to happen. I didn't know what pick it was going to be, but I had an idea that I was going in the third round a couple of minutes before and all my teammates in the room, they saw me pick up the phone and were kind of staring at me, waiting for me to like get off. And I'd put the phone down. They're like, okay. And I was like, yeah, it's coming up. <laughs> they all kind of just went crazy. Um, so I had an idea, but I didn't know exactly when. So it was still exciting. And um, definitely when it came across the screen. <laughs> And the vision of the room itself is one. That's one of the great things about modern technology that you can shoot everything and make sure we all, all see what it was like. They were up and about. You looked in dead set shock on the couch as they all just lost their minds. Yeah, no, it was a bit. It was a bit of shock because I was just. I still think I'm in shock. I'm kind of just sitting here like, wow, that really just happened. It's something all girls dream of when they start playing basketball. Like that's the pinnacle you want to get you want to get selected on draft day and I kind of sat there and I was like wow that really just happened and everybody was yelling and going crazy and I was just yeah like in shock and one of the other great parts about the day is normally when the phone starts ringing and it's your teammates um, or new teammates and old teammates I suppose as well but have you heard from many of your current teammates um, at Los Angeles yet uh no not not much yet um Got off the phone with – I had a phone call with the head coach, Derek Fisher, a couple of hours ago. He was just saying welcome to the family um, and kind of told me what to expect tomorrow. Um, probably get a lot more information tomorrow, so we'll see what happens then in the next 24 hours. So what does happen tomorrow? Do you, do you start heading down to, to LA? Because the training camp will start really quickly. Yeah, so I don't know exactly when. He told me the um, operations will get in touch with me probably first thing tomorrow morning, kind of talking about flights and when – I'm going to fly out. It could be as early as Wednesday or Friday, something like that. Um, I'll find out more information tomorrow. There's another rather tall Aussie on your team who's very well known throughout this entire country, Liz Cambage. She's now a teammate of yours. How much of an idol has she been of yours or somebody you may have looked up to as as the Australian Opal, the dominant player that she is? Oh, definitely. I've looked up to her for quite some time. I think most girls playing basketball in Australia look up to her and she's a great talent and has been such – uh, a huge role model in our game and has done some really great things throughout her career. So just the chance to kind of be around her and uh, soak in that knowledge is is um, absolutely really exciting for me. Now, basketball fans may not be as familiar with your family lineage as Aussie Rules fans are, but the name Atwell is rather iconic throughout Western Australia. Your grandfather, Mel, played 255 games, won five flags in the waffle and is a member of the WA Football Hall of Fame. Like, What sort of influence did he have on your sporting life as a youngster? Oh, definitely. Um, my granddad, like you said, has got a lot of accolades in the, the football world and just having that kind of sporting icon around um, – and that presence growing up was made a huge impact on me. Um, my parents, obviously, as well, um, just always encouraged me to do anything. But definitely having that kind of motivation and, and something to look up to in my granddad was definitely um, really cool. Was he a storyteller? Did he talk about himself or was it the rest of the family talking about him as, as, as you were growing up? It was a bit of both. Um, mostly, most of the stuff I found out about my granddad was through papers and kind of articles that came out about him and stuff my nan would show me back in his day. Um, so he, he didn't like to boast too much. Everything I kind of found out was 
like I said, through the newspaper or through other people. And you played footy a little bit as a kid. I saw you played softball as well. So what, what drew you to basketball? Um, it was actually my older cousins. So I had two cousins that were playing basketball. And I kind of played a little bit of everything when I was younger. I was that kid that just tried everything. Um, and dad kind of came home one day and was like, your cousins are playing basketball. You want to give it a shot? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so I went down to Willison and played my first couple of club games there and fell in love then. And t- tell us about the rest of the family. I've chatted to your dad and I've chatted to your sister at different points today trying to get, get in touch with you. It's a, it's a, they're, they're, they're extremely excited, as you can imagine. Tell us about the family and what it's been like to live so far away from them for so long. Yeah, it's been a crazy um, long six years, but it's kind of flown by. Um, I couldn't have done anything that I have, especially these last six years or throughout my career without them. They've been there every step of the way supporting me, um, backing every decision I made. They were the ones that kind of pushed me to come to college in the first place, especially my mom. Um, So my parents definitely got to thank them for running me around to basketball trainings all the time back home and pushing me. Um, But got an older sister and a younger brother. Obviously, you spoke to Haley. Um, She played a lot of sports growing up too. So we were all, us three kids were all super, always super competitive. Um, Always would play a lot of sports in the backyard with my little brother. Um, So I think that's where I get my competitive nature from. But I uh, just got a super supportive family all the way across the board and I've always kind of been in my back corner no matter what. So let's go back a bit to when you headed over to Hawaii. You're 18 and Hawaii is a bloody long way away and then, bang, you blow out your knee really early in the piece and you, there's a knee reconstruction required. I can't imagine there's a more lonely place in life than when you're overseas with a knee reconstruction. Yeah, moving halfway across the world at 18 years old, not knowing anybody is pretty tough. <laughs> And then coming over here to play basketball and then not being able to do that was just another kind of blow. Um, I definitely think it helped me kind of, it kind of shaped my six years here. That was definitely the hardest year I had here and kind of getting through that mental barrier of being homesick and not being able to play the sport I love. And the reason I came here was, was definitely tough, but I had, I had great people around me and a great support system every step of the way. How did you do the knee? Was, I know I was playing in a game, but what, what were you actually doing? Was it a rebounding situation? Was it a changing direction with the ball? How, how did you do the damage? It was, I kind of went up to, I had just turned the ball over actually. So it was really my own fault. <laughs> um, and the girl was kind of running out for a stride out layup on a fast break. And I was kind of chasing from behind. And I wasn't sure if, I wasn't quite close enough to kind of contest the shot and try block it. But for some reason I thought I was. <laughs> thought I was LeBron in the moment or something. And I went to jump and my knee just like dislocated on me and gave out. And so I wasn't changing direction. I was trying to actually jump up, but I just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so, and then what was the rehab like to do it by yourself in America? Like it must've been really lonely at that point, or did you travel with the team to, to do it all? We you, had, how did they situated to make sure that you felt okay? It was actually, I was actually really fortunate. Um, the team actually traveled me on every road trip my freshman year um, just to kind of get the feel of it. And I also traveled for rehab purposes. So I did all my rehab with um, my athletic trainer, Erin Tillman. Um, she had a lot of patience with me <laughs> at times because um, it was definitely tough sometimes. But I traveled on every road trip and hung out with her for three hours every day doing my rehabs. She was there every step of the way. So definitely was lonely, but I also had people around me every step of the way. So when did you start to feel like you could play again? Now, I'm not just mean just get onto court, but when did you start to feel comfortable and the player that you are? It wasn't until probably quite recently, like maybe two years ago. Because um, even coming back from that ACL, 
I was playing and I was cleared to play and I felt physically good, but I still just kind of didn't have all that trust back. And then I actually ended up tearing my meniscus again that next off season and had to have another two surgeries. Um, so that next like year and a half, 18 months after my ACL, um, I was still kind of battling the injuries, had a couple more surgeries in there and still trying to find that groove and get back into it. So it wasn't really until the year before COVID um, that season, I had really kind of found my feet again and kind of felt like the same basketball player I was before I tore my ACL. And then obviously COVID shut things down, but um, yeah, it wasn't probably until about two and a half years ago where I felt that I really got back to my game. So how proud are you of your resilience then? Because COVID happens as well, as we said, yeah, you've spent six years at college, which is insane when you, when you think about it. It's meant to be four. You've, you've missed one with a knee. You missed one through COVID. And now you're here. Yeah. Um, it's definitely been a crazy ride. And I think that is one where that like really sums it up is resilient. I've gone through the homesickness, which kind of every um, Aussie battles over here. And then the injuries on top of that coming in and out of lineups, thinking I was cleared and then, you know, messing my knee up again, having another surgery. Um, it's definitely shaped me into who I am today, but it's also something that was kind of instilled from in me from a young age. Um, my family has always kind of taught me never to give up and kind of always push through. And yeah, there's nothing, you're never going to, you know, you're never going to come across something that you don't, that you can't get through. Um, especially if, if you have the right people around you. So I kind of just, I had a lot of faith in my support system and knew that I had everyone around me and everything around me I needed to get through whatever kind of was thrown in my path. And then you get to this year where you're feeling healthy and everything's good again and Big West champion, player of the year, drafted, first University of, of w, uh, first University of Hawaii Big West player of the year since 1989-90, second player ever from the uni that was drafted. I mean, it, it's a mind-blowing achievement when you look at the history of the group that you're involved with. Definitely. Um, and I kind of came back this year for a conference championship and that was kind of my mindset. That was why I came back for my sixth year and I've kind of just blown all my expectations out the park. Um, I kind of always knew I was capable was whether I was going to get healthy enough and stay healthy enough for long enough. Um, but yeah, it's been a crazy year. This is what your coaches had to say about you today in the release on the club's website. It says, Amy Atwell is one of the better shooters in the 2022 class, not just in her ability to, ability to convert her attempts, but in the way she can get her shot off as well. You actually have the record at your college for three-point shooting. Um, you've got scoring records galore. Where did your scoring strengths come from? Um. Definitely my three-point shot is the kind of pinnacle of my game. That is my strength. Um, it's kind of funny because when I was younger, I was very right-hand drive dominant. Um, and it wasn't until one of my coaches at the time came to me and was like, if you want to go to that next level, you're going to need to develop a pretty decent outside shot. So it was my mom that got in the gym with me every Saturday, would go down to Wesley, the local um, the local high school down the road and we would get like an hour of shots up every, every Saturday. And then it kind of became my forte that I went from a driver to a three point shooter, <laughs> two ends of the spectrum. Um, and then with all my knee injuries, that was all I could do for a while was stationary shooting and stuff like that. So it kind of just continued and kind of became my signature over time. You mentioned before that you're a Williton girl, Williton tiger. Uh, what, what is that? group and, and, and that squad from back then mean to you? Do you have it? Have you had any contact from, from them at all, I suppose, today? Yeah, so I actually have heard um, from most of my 
Well, we were with t- we were with each other for like six years. My Willison Tigers Junior Club group. Um, they actually messaged me in a group chat today and was like, "Okay, so is this the girls' trip to LA?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I actually last time I was back in Australia, we all had a big catch up and went to one of the Willison games um, and had fun. Those girls will always have a special place in my heart and kind of always stay in touch with those ones. Um, yeah. And what about Penrose? Yeah, obviously you went you went to Penrose. Important to mention your school. Like, have you heard, are you in touch with many of that crew? Yeah, definitely still in touch with some of my uh, closest friends from from high school. A, couple, a lot of them have messaged me today. I haven't really gotten back to most of them because my phone has just been a, kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, definitely have heard a whole bunch of support from them as well, which is great, and always always love that. So you want one of two Aussies to get selected today, Jade Melbourne, who we've all seen playing with the Canberra Capitals uh, this year, is off to Seattle, very famous place for Australians to go to. Seattle, it seems like every Australian goes there and then wins championships. Um, have you had anything to, to do with Jade at all throughout your time? Have you crossed paths at any point? No. Um, I kind of The first time I heard about her was probably a couple of weeks ago um, when I was kind of reading some of the mock drafts and her name popped up and I was like, oh, that's another Aussie, and then kind of looked into it. Um, so she's been killing it at the WNBL. Um, but before that, I think she's a couple of years younger than me, so I hadn't really heard much before that. Now, well, if, if you do both get on the court at any point in the first couple of weeks, there is a clash against Seattle on May 20. And for the fans over here who have just been watching Jackie Young and Marina May be playing, there's a clash against Las Vegas on May 23. And then on May 31, uh, there is a game against Dallas where Mabry will be involved. And shortly after your birthday, you play New York and Sammy Whitcomb will be involved in that game. So there's a fair, there's a strong WA tie. Have you, have you managed to maintain any um, links with the Perth links in terms of watching games or monitoring what's going on in WA basketball? Or have you been too busy with your crazy uni life and your crazy basketball life? No, I've definitely still kept in touch. Uh, one of my best friends, Mackenzie Clint-Hoycott, actually is a development player for the Perth links. Um, so I stay in touch with her. I call her most weeks. Um, so I get updates through that a lot and was kind of following them through the final series just recently. Um, so definitely still in touch with the and keep in, keep in the loop as much as I can. So tomorrow you wake up and your world is vastly different to when you woke up this morning. Have you thought at all about what your life is going to be in the next couple of weeks as it just changes and your dream is right in front of you? Um, I'm trying not to think about it too much because I think when I wake up tomorrow, it all becomes very real. Um, and like you said, it is going to change a lot. And my next few weeks is going to be super full on and it's going to kind of be all over the place and craziness, but it's a good craziness and it's something I really look forward to. Well, congratulations. What a day. Dreams come true and your world has changed forever. So I'm sure all of WA is really, really excited for you. And it's just the sort of thing that everyone hopes will happen to them. And today it's happened to you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much.